Hey, listen to Commander Cookout Podcast. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan, and today we're going to crack the top 10 list for the first time ever of the most popular commanders of all time. F you, Traxa. Arc of Escalation, Stage 3. Hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan, we're back for another whirlwind adventure. It's episode 37. How you, how you doing today? Episode? episode. What's going down? <laughs> <laughs> Not a whole lot is going down. Yeah. But, uh, well, I guess a whole lot actually is going down. This is a very exciting episode. Oh, We're yeah. way up in the upper echelon of popular commanders. We're in the most popular tier of commander. And uh, we're talking about an episode that we've had a lot of a lot of love for over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I've actually been super excited about this episode. Yeah, me too. And it's my favorite colors of deck list, which is also fun. Oh yeah, a little gruel yeah, action. That's a thing. We'll get to that in a minute. Should we do the social media coordinates? Then we can kind of get into this this ditty. Oh yeah, I got lots to talk about before we get into the ditty. So do your thing, and then I'll do my thing. Excellent. Okay, we are CCO Podcast on Twitter and tappedout.net. That's where you can see any of the lists that we're talking about today or any of the lists we've talked about in the past. Uh, we're commandercookout at gmail.com if you want to send us show, social if you want to send us show suggestions. Love mail, hate mail, no nudes. Nudes? Yay, yay, yay. We're also Commander Cookout on iTunes, Google Play, Google Machine, Commander Society, EDHREC.com, Patreon, and Podomatic, where we are epically struggling to take down the scrapbook of ninnies. Oh, which leads into one of the things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, number four. We have retaken our, our spot at number four. We, we, we have retaken our spot at number four. Oh, that's awesome. We flirted with it a little while back. And we counted it as being at number four, but now we're sitting in that spot, hey? Yeah, the Kervik episode helped out a lot. That actually ended up being our most popular list ever. Wow. Or, or, sorry, our most popular episode ever. I hated the list. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Kervik. But, uh, Very well, hey. Good good on you, CCO Nation. Everybody from all over the world. Yeah, thank you very much for, yeah. for listening. Yeah. Speaking of Kervik, couple corrections. Oh. Couple corrections. That's what I had to talk about. Uh, the Heartlets Hitted Sugu platinum and Pyrian combo that we talked about if you give heartless hitetsugu infect he still does the damage to you so you still get infected Ooh. and if half your life is like 20 you're gonna get 20 poison counters and you're gonna lose the game that's the worst yes but wound reflection was in that list and i can't believe that i didn't think of my favorite mana rock okay so pristine talisman pristine talisman to three drop mana rock tap it Colorless and gain a life. Okay. Wound reflection is at the end of each turn, each player loses life equal to the life they've lost this turn. Wound reflection is just opponents. Really? Yep. Are you sure? Yep. All those reflections were just, they benefit you and hurt everybody else. That's why they cost so much. Oh, yeah. Mana wise. Oh, I thought I was clever. We are. Just Double damagers. There was damage doublers there. Okay, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'll get there. Heartless hitted Sugo. Tap them. Still kills you because it doubles damage to you too. Doubles damage to you. Yeah. But that double damage goes on the stack whenever you're dealt damage it still it deals, deals half double that damage you, yeah. you can't tap pristine no. talisman to gain a life nope are you sure yeah cco nation you let us know a couple uh. listeners let us know that you can hit something indestructible with the the goblin that destroys stuff no, yes vashino yep. hair tech yep and it doesn't hit the graveyard and they're still going to eat a whole bag of dicks for playing that Dark Steel or Blight Steel Colossus. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's the same uh, principle as the Clan Defiance, where you kill a thing with flying without flying at a player. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shoutouts? Shoutouts. Big time shout out to the Biff, Kyle Bifferato. Who's that? 
He is the first ever CCO giveaway winner. Ooh. He emailed us, yes. Oh, that's fun. So we like him. Hey, Biff. Patron shout-outs. We got to do shout-outs. Chris Flynn, $5 patron. Jason Rombouts. Jason, or David Grinnis. Brenner Skifton. Brenner. That's your yeah. bo- that's your brother-in-law. Yeah, he, he patroned us. Oh, that's nice. Jumbo Commander on YouTube is a patron of ours. And not only shout out for him being a patron, but shout out to his stuff because he actually makes really good videos. Cool. Yeah, I like that for sure. And shout out to Venix X on Tapped Out. Who's that? That's the list we're using today. One That's of the three lists. We're one of the three today. lists. Now, in the uh, social media coordinates, you said every list that we talk about can be found on Tapped Out. That's right. But this list is V E X E N X. On tapped out. Now, this is probably the Omnath Locus of Rage list. It's got 700 upvotes. That's insane. He's got a primer. He's got it all tricked out, foiled, altered. It's version 3.2. There's an update for every set that's released. And we're going to get into why that's really cool later on in the show. Yeah, this is the list. Yeah, we usually don't touch on the uh, epitome list, but this time I think that it's worth taking a look at. Again, four reasons we'll get into later in the show. Yeah, so we're on Tier 3. We're going to give the Tier 3 description a read right now just to give you guys a reminder, and we're going to talk about that just a little bit. So just for everybody's memory or refresher, this is the list of every commander ranked by tier. Okay, so this list is managed by the Gigabeast, Sonnet666, and Naraj ED? Narajd? Naraj sure. ED. Okay, so that's this list, and Brando is going to give Tier 3 description a read right now. Tier 3 is the middle tier. They can't usually compete against Tier 1 decks, but might do fine with Tier 2. They usually have the aggro problem, or they are widely wildly inconsistent. Most of the pub stomp decks that dominate the casual meta go in here. They may have a bad reputation, but that doesn't make them Tier 1. Okay, so a couple things that we can discern from that. They may have a bad reputation, but that doesn't make them Tier 1. I think that that's the most important thing to remember because when we look at today's deck, Omnath, he will beat wholesale ass at every single casual table he sits down at. And if you're playing some more competitive games, he's also going to hold his own because he can get that nut draw, that ramp draw, and he can start dealing damage out real quick yes yes he's actually my welcome to magic deck when we played against evan's whole play group and did you notice in that game exactly what evan said was going to happen happened where i was just going land go land go land go and everybody's like oh do, 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 do. Yeah. and then evan was like guys we should probably pick on brando he's going to destroy us and then one turn somebody attacked me for like 20 and i just killed him in response and then i killed the guy next to him nice. and then i beat evan and it was Game over. This this deck is insane. I call him Omnath of the Wrecking Ball because it's exactly what he is. Once he gets swinging, there's no stopping him. So good. So Omnath is probably one of the better examples for Tier 3 because he does a little bit run into the, the aggro problem as um, the, the, the description suggested where you might run out of a little bit of gas or you might not have an answer for a combo or protection for something if somebody's going off you know what i mean like there's there's there is a dis, distinct weakness in that it can't just win right now yes it can but it requires a significant investment of resources to do that a, a large portion of the deck and a lot of different cards all working together it's well oiled and 
for that reason, it has a very bad reputation, but ultimately it's not going to compete with the deck that we're going to talk about next week or the week after. Correct. It's just not. Although I think it could probably beat the deck from next week what? because there is one card that beats the deck from next week. One. Ooh, stay tuned and find out. Yeah, and every <laughs> every single deck of its color plays it. Ooh. Ooh. So Ooh. there's a teaser if you ever yeah. had one. Okay, so we're looking at three different lists today and we're going to talk about um we're going to talk about them as we get to them. Interesting to note that all of the Omnath decks are kind of like two thirds green and support red. So why is that? What let's let's hear about that. Red in this deck is where a lot of your when something comes into play it deals damage things come from, and it makes a lot more elementals than green does. Oh, um, I suppose we should probably read Omnath so that we should tell so that people know why that. Oh, I suppose is a thing. give them a read. Omnath Locus of Rage is a five five legendary elemental for. Three, red, red, green, green. Oh, my. Seven. Seven. He's got landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a 5-5 five, five red and green elemental creature token onto the battlefield. So get your land drop for the turn. You also get a 5-5 five, five dude. Yep. Sound too good to be true? There's more. When Omnath, Locus of Rage, or another elemental you control dies, Omnath deals three damage to target creature or player. So it turns that 5-5 five, five elemental into a lightning bolt. Very excellent. You should have read that like the guy from uh, OxyClean. Get your 5-5 five, five when your land drops. Sound too good to be true? But wait, there's more! <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Every yeah. time your guy eats a bag of dicks, you're going to get a lightning bolt. That's awesome. Wow, I should have done that. Next time. Uh, next time. Yeah. Next time. There's there's always tomorrow. Yeah, okay. Well, here's something. Seven. Seven. What if, just what if, what if he was a 3-3 three, three, or a 1-1 one, one, and he costed like four? Easier to kill, I will admit, but he's not going to cost seven. So when he dies, and he will die, I promise, when he dies, he costs nine and then 11, right? And I get it, it's a ramp deck, but your commander still costs nine, then 11. Also... Here's my counter to that argument. Oh. And this is what makes this deck so dangerous. One, you're going to be able to pay for it yeah. every time. Yeah. Two, he's the only card you need to play. You can play Omnath, land, that's it. And just permanence that you have in play incidentally will make the deck go for you. You don't have to play spells. All you have to do is have a couple of permanents in play and Omnath and then play land. That's oh. all you have to do for this deck to get wound up and start, as we say, beating wholesale ass. Oh, we said it. Very excellent. Okay, let's get into the recipe a little bit because we can talk about the strengths and weaknesses in that section of the show. So we are looking at, again at Vexen X, his list. 13 creatures. Well, plus Omnath. So 14. 14 creatures. I never say the 14th or like the commander. <laughs> ah, whatever. Yeah. Let's uh, let's give the, the listeners an idea of what kind of creatures this deck wants to play. Okay. Quick rundown without actually reading them in detail. We have Avenger of Zendikar. He's a dude that gives you dudes for how many lands you have. You have Azusa Lost But Seeking, plays extra lands. Crater Hoof Behemoth, makes all your dudes bigger. Eternal Witness, gets things back from your graveyard. Lotus Cobra is a ramp spell. Nisa Vastwood Seer turns into a Planeswalker and is also a ramp spell. Oracle of Maldaya, ramp spell, Perforos God of the Forge. We all know him. He's why there's red in the deck. Creature comes into play, twos all of your opponents. Runamap Excavator. He is a, what's that artifact? I can't think of it right now. Crucible of Worlds. He's a Crucible of Worlds also on Also a ramp spell. Also a ramp spell. Sakura Tribe Elder, ramp oh, spell. Yeah. Shaman of the Forgotten Ways. He is Biorhythm on Legs, so... And a ramp spell. And a ramp spell. 
Tireless Tracker. He is sort of a ramp spell. He also is a card advantage engine and can turn into a great big beater. And Titania, Protector of Argoth. She's essentially a backup Omnath if your yeah, Omnath happens like to be out of reach. Omnath Light or Omnath 2.0. Exactly. So of the, let's say, 13 creatures, you've got, what was that, like 10 ramp spells in yeah. your creature package? Yes. And you didn't mention about a vendor of Zendikar. He actually has landfall, and so does Lotus Cobra. That's how they benefit you, right? Because yes. you could be dropping two, three, four lands per turn. Yeah, when you fetch lands you're looking at. Yeah, fetch lands in addition to that when you're looking at Azusa and Oracle of Moldaya and the, what's his name, Excavator and Runamak Crucible Excavator. of Worlds. Both yeah. in the deck, right? You could play the same fetch land four times in one turn. Yeah, that's eight land drops. Yeah, that's Eight five fives. That's more than eight land drops because you're getting three land enter the battlefield every time you play a fetch land, isn't it? Something? No, it's two. Uh, fetch land, it fetches a land. And oh, you play yeah. again. So it's, oh, it's between six and eight land drops a turn, which is a lot of power worth of dudes, which is a lot of perforos triggers. Lots of per- Or a really big crater hoof behemoth swing. Yes. Yeah, that okay. too. So you're getting the idea how it works, right? Lots of expensive cards in like um, in terms of mana. Lots of expensive cards. So let's get into instants and sorceries. Three instants. Three instants. We have Court of Calling that finds a creature for green, green, X. Find a green creature that costs X. We have Crop Rotation. Sack a land, get another land. And we have Harrow. Sack a land, find two land. All three of those are kind of like ramp spells. Correct. That give you some other benefit as well. So Court of Calling, you don't need to find a ramp creature. You could find a Crater Hoof Behemoth. Crop Rotation, you're sacking a land to trigger Omnath and finding a land, I don't know, maybe a Gaia's Cradle. Yeah. And then Harrow, you're sacking a land to trigger Omnath and Titania and getting two additional landfall triggers to get two more dudes. Correct. Because uh, Harrow puts them right into play. And it's an instant, and it puts them into play untapped. Harrow is so good in this deck. Yeah, so Harrow is originally, uh, I was going to say from Invasion, but it's not. It was in Invasion. Harrow is an instant for green and two as an additional cost to play Harrow. Sack a land, search for two basics, put them into play. And it's a sweet combat trick in this deck, too. Yes, because you can instant speed make blockers. Exactly. Or instant speed bolt one of their dudes. How would you instant speed bolt one of their dudes? Uh, the land you sack? That doesn't make you... It's elementals that sacking give you... Oh, bolts, yeah, sorry. Lands. I was thinking it works like the Gitrog whenever a land hits your graveyard. Oh, that'd yeah, be even yeah, yeah. better. Whenever a land hits your graveyard with Titania out, you get a dude, right? Whenever you play a land from your graveyard, Titania puts a guy Oh, out. man, I'm all mixed up. I suck. <laughs> that's why it's your deck. Yeah, that's, that's why I play the deck and you don't. <laughs> okay, 20 sorceries. <laughs> 20 sorceries. Is this a is this a control deck, Ryan? No. No. No, no it's not. So here's what we have. We'll go we'll do a quick rundown again. We got lots of lists, a lot to get to. Blasphemous Act, that's a sweeper. Boundless Realms, that's a ramp spell. Cultivate, ramp spell. Explosive Vegetation, ramp spell. Farseek, ramp spell. Genesis Wave, acts like a ramp spell. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to I'm going to stop you. Okay. Could we just say that there's 19 ramp spells and 10 mana rocks? Yes. That's so many. But your commander is going to cost 17 yep. by the end of the game. Yep, yep, yep. I'm thinking just for expediting the list. I dig it. Let's go to artifacts. Eight. Check. We have a lot of rampy kind of stuff in there. Mana Crypt, Soul Ring. But then we've got some cool stuff. Eldrazi Monument gives and, you bolts and makes your dudes and, indestructible. And? Acroma's Memorial. Absolutely. How good is Acroma's Memorial? If you don't know Acroma's Memorial, you should. It's a seven-drop legendary artifact. Creatures you control have 
Flying First Strike Vigilance, Trample, Haste, Pro Black, Pro Red. And Holy shit. J- just to keep that pain train rolling, read Eldrazi Monument as well. Eldrazi Monument is an artifact for five. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, have flying and are indestructible, and at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a dude or sacrifice Eldrazi Monument. Yeah, so what happens when you sacrifice a dude? Bolt. Bolt. Because you're going to sacrifice an elemental of some form or another. Bolt. So good. So you're turning the downside of that card into the upside of that card. Into a bolt. Yes. Because bolt in EDH, typically, not very good. I think it's underestimated, though. When you can make eight of them every turn, bolt is is amazing. (laughs) Yes, yes. Lightning bolt itself, not so good. Yes. Eight lightning bolts in a turn, yeah, pretty good. Not too bad. Okay, so you got some ramp, got some got some stuff. Tutors, we got two tutors in the list, in this list. So you got quarter calling, which is search for a green creature with X, and then you've got natural order, natural order sorcery for green green two as an additional cost to sack a creature, aka an elemental to bolt somebody. Search for a green creature, put it onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your shit. Yeah, super good. Very good. I did want to ask, all opinions welcome, of course. So we talked about all the ramp spells in a landfall deck like this. How many of these cards do you actually consider tutors? The ones that put them into play? Like we're playing Scapeshift, and in our 62 land Atogatog deck, we considered Scapeshift a tutor card because it actually searched for your win condition and put it into play. Do you consider Scapeshift or other land or other search for land put it into play cards as tutors i wouldn't just because that means these decks have 19 tutors in them yeah i mean it makes them it would screw our spice formula all to crap but i'm thinking like okay so you got like we just talked about crop rotation sack a land to search for any land put it into play you search for gaia's cradle with all your elementals that allows you to drop crater hoof now, I get it. You have to have Crater Hoof in your hand to be able to win the game in that scenario, but you couldn't have otherwise cast it if you didn't tutor for your Gaia's Cradle off your crop rotation. So you see where I'm coming from where you could consider them tutors. I don't think it counts because the deck doesn't technically win with land. I it wins by playing land, but it doesn't. the land doesn't win the game, whereas in Atogatog, the, the land, land yeah. is what won you the game. That's such a cool deck. That is a neat one. It's episode three, four. Yeah, it was in the first five. Early on. Okay, moving on. 42 lands. Sounds Ooh. about right for how many lands we're searching for. Yes, very much so. And you know what I like about this is fetch lands or double ETB lands, 10 of them. That's very good. So we're talking, yes. we, we play all of the on-color fetches. Yes, there's seven proper fetches. Yep. F the budget. <laughs> yeah. And then there is Ghost Town, Strip Mine, Myriad Landscape, Blighted Woodland. So let's give those a read. Strip Mine, I think everybody knows what it does, but the other three, give uh, give Ghost Town a read because I think it's actually from uh, Tempest, right? Yes, it is. Ghost Town is tap, add a colorless mana to your mana pool, or zero, return Ghost Town to its owner's hand. Use this only during another player's turn. Yeah, so you can play Ghost Town every single one of your turns. It gives you a land drop that's recurring. Yeah. Very cool. Hard to take advantage of it with Azusa or um, Oracle of Moldiah or whatever because you can only return it to your hand during your turn, but it does give you a land drop every single turn. Have we talked about enchantments yet? No. Because here's how you can use Ghost Town to abuse Azusa Lost but Seeking. Somebody else's turn, you pop it back into your hand, and since you have a little enchantment called Greater Good in play, Greater Good says it's an enchantment for Green Green 2, Sack a creature, draw cards equal to the sacrificed creature's power, then discard three cards. 
So you, you bounce your ghost quarter back to your hand because you got no land drops. Play the ghost quarter. Get your 5-5. Five, five, ghost town. Ghost town, sorry. Get your 5-5. Five, five, sack it to greater good. Draw 5. Keep 2 land. Or chuck 3 land if you have a Runamap Excavator or Crucible of Worlds. Then start playing all those lands with Azusa. It fills your hand back From up. your graveyard. From your graveyard. Ooh. Yeah. I like another little ditty called Burgeoning. Burgeoning is excellent. Enchantment 4. Green. Whenever an opponent plays a land, you may play a land. So just bounce your ghost town every time somebody plays a land. Yes. Or, sorry, bounce your ghost town during everybody's upkeep so you can be ready for them playing a land. Because you can't respond to playing a land. So bounce it during their upkeep and then when they do, you do. Correct. Excellente. Very good. Okay, going back to the lands. Yep, sorry um, about that. Myriad Landscape. I like Mi- this one. Myriad Landscape, I don't think you see enough of. I think it's a commander card. It is. It uh, comes into play tapped. Not the best, but wait for it. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> tap it for one colorless or tap two and it and sack it. Search your library for up to two land cards with a basic land type and then put them into play tapped. So you got to get forest, mountain, taiga... Um, stomping ground, things of that ilk. Correct. That's fine. It's very good. And the other one I, I'd like to read, Blighted Woodland. Blighted Woodland is a land, taps for a colorless, or tap green three, sack it, search your library for two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield tapped. Don't mind that. Even your lands are land ramp things. Dang. Okay, enchantments. We touched on a couple of the good ones with Ghost Town. Any other of particular note that you'd like to bring up? Well, there's your old standby in anything that makes tokens for any reason. We got doubling season, obviously. So let's just move on from him. We all know doubling season. We have something cool called Elemental Bond. Oh, yeah, I like this one. It's green two. Whenever a creature with power three or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. So whenever you landfall and get your 5-5... You get a, you draw a card. You draw a card. What if it's another land and you have something like Azusa or Oracle in play? You can play another one. It turns all of your lands into creature spells. It turns them into free five fives that can trip themselves. Sounds good. It's unreal. There's a couple cards that are like that. Elemental Bond, Garrick's Pack Leader, and um, Cavu Lair from Invasion. Ooh. Got there. Nice. And you could play all of those here. Yes. Yes, we could. And there's actually two creatures that do the same thing as well in mm, Primordial Sage and... CCO Nation, if you know it, send it into it. We're not even going to look it up. You, you know, know what it. I'm talking about. Yeah, you know it. Send it to us so we also know it. What else? We're getting back to these enchantments. What else do we got? Why is there red in the deck? Here's two reasons. Where Ancients Tread. Red, four. Whenever a creature with power five or greater enters the battlefield under your control, where the Ancients Tread... Deals five damage to dark creature or player. So every time you play a land, get an elemental, you five somebody. Warstorm Surge. Another enchantment. Red five. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it deals damage equal to its power to target thing. So every time you play a five five elemental, you five something. Also doesn't work with pandemonium, so you can't be having that revisited on you, which is fairly important. What else do we got here? The eight, the typical Omnath card, if you're not playing if you're playing Omnath and you're not playing perilous foyers, you're doing it wrong. Here's what it says. Green, green, three. One, sacrifice a creature, a.k.a. bolt somebody. Search your library for a land card with a basic land type, put it into play tapped, then shuffle your library. So it lets you cycle through your elementals with infinite bolts. And the rest of the stuff is mostly card draw. There's a goblin bombardment to give you a sack engine. I got it! What? Soul of the Harvest. Soul of the Harvest. Yes, whenever you play a creature draw card, and it's a 6-6 for 6. 
Ignore us, ignore us asking for your help, CCO Nation. Ryan ruined everything. Yes. Help us in other ways, though. Like going to Patreon. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> ignore him. Ignore Anyways, him. Card draw spells. Card draw spells. Six of them. Now, I'm including Genesis Wave and Tireless Tracker in that. Because I think Genesis Wave, I mean, you're always going to have lots of mana in this deck. Um, so, what is it? Green, 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 X. Reveal the top X. Put every permanent with converted mana cost X or less onto the battlefield. Yes. Excellente. Very good card. Tireless Tracker. Let's give him a read because you mentioned him before and I think he's pretty good. Tireless Tracker is a 3-2 for green 2. Yeah. That's fun to say. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you investigate. That means you put, I think it's an artifact token with 2 sack it, draw card. Correct. Into play. And then he says, whenever you sacrifice a clue, put a plus one, plus one counter on Tireless Tracker. So you're going to have lots of mana to, let's call it, dump into clue tokens. And you're going to have lots of land to create clue tokens. So it's got Landfall Investigate. Yeah. It's too bad that Landfall didn't wasn't keyworded in Innistrad Block, because that's cleaner. It landfall really should investigate. have been. Yeah, <laughs> that could be an evergreen ability. I don't I know why I it's suppose. not. I suppose. It's a Zendikar thing. Ah, Zendikar. Thing, so a tireless tracker, yeah, he gets big and he lets you dump mana into drawing cards, which is never bad because never, ever. sometimes you're just going to have no cards and lots of mana. Exactly. Yep. So I like that. Targeted removal, four. Ooh, is this enough? Do we cut anything from the ramp package to bolster the removal package? No, because the ramp package gives you removal spells. Ooh, yes. How good is that? Every land spell is a bolt. Every time you play a land, you get a bolt, as long as Omnath is in play. Uh, yeah, so don't cut the land. No. Sorry, don't cut the ramp. Never. Never. You heard it here. Okay, <laughs> mass removal. One? Well, there's a Blasphemous Act in there. Yeah, Blasphemous Act is, I think, the only one. <clears throat> what about something like a Decimate? Because you can't, you can't necessarily kill a um, random artifact or enchantment with bolt. You could with Decimate. Yes, you could. And uh, that is, I'm not going to call it a weakness of this list, but it is something that this list does not focus on. I think that this one is all in on Omnath turn four, beat wholesale ass with Omnath, turn five, six, seven, win the game. I, I think that's yeah. what this deck... I think that's okay. And it's tuned up to do that. Well, let's let's get into that as soon as we mention again ramp spells. 19. We I asked the question, is it too many? Uh, I don't know. Mana rocks? Ten of mana rocks and mana dorks. So mana dorks are are those ones that are either going to give you multiple land drops or like secure tribe elder that are going to give you a landfall trigger. The mana rocks are purely for early game acceleration. I think. Do you need them? Do you play instead of, for example, instead of mana crypt mana vault? Do you play Llanowar elf? I wouldn't, because they're too slow. There's they, a big difference yeah, between turn, turn one Llanowar elf and turn one Sol Ring. Oh, turn baby. one. Lanwar Elf gets you turn to Cultivate, whereas turn one Sol Ring gives you turn to Sky Shroud Claim. Ooh, yep. And that's never, ever bad. Yep. So I guess you, you mentioned Lanwar Elf into Cultivate or better Mana Rock into 4-drop ramp spell. Do you focus on the 4-drop ramp spells in the deck, the 4 and 5-drops that are going to get you multiple lands entering at the same time, and, and say, screw the 3-drop slot in ramp? Remember we've talked about this before, you want to strategically add ramp spells based on CMC for things that you do want to hit, right? I agree with you. Actually, um, 
And when we look at my list a little bit later on in the show, I stripped some of the three-drop and kind of typical stuff out of mine in preparation for doing this episode, because I knew I was going to get some sweet ideas, and I was going to put some spicy includes into my own list. And mine is a little bit, the way it's set up now, is a little bit more draw-dependent, because you got to have something early on to ramp you into those four-drop spells, because that's where my deck lives, mm. is that, that four-drop slot. Once it starts hitting that four-drop, it starts banging out land. Way faster, probably, than this one does, but it takes longer to get there. Yeah, where this one is, maybe yours has a little bit little bit more horsepower at the end of the curve versus this one having more horsepower over the entire curve on average. Exactly. We get that. So you talked a little bit on, on how to play. I want to say turn one, if we're getting into the lines of play section here, I'm thinking turn one, there's only five one-drops. So that's only about 30% to get one in your opening hand. That's like three out of 10 games or one out of three games. Not very good. Not not very many. Maybe that's one of the things that keeps this out of the tier two echelon. I think so When too. you start looking at those tier two decks, you're starting to see average converted mana costs at or below three. Yeah. And and while that, that doesn't really tell you anything, it, that kind of tells you that there is a whole ton of one-drops in there because you have to have that many one-drops in a list to to have a an average CMC below three. Correct. So there's a thing. Turn two, though, 15 total one and two drops. That's an excellent chance for a turn two something. Something, yeah. Right? And that something is probably going to be some kind of ramp. Correct. Which will set your turn three up really nicely. Yeah, because then you're going to start doing your five, six drop stuff. The yeah. best best opening play in this deck, Burgeoning. Forest Burgeoning. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's a very strong one. Does it play um, Exploration? Did you did you mention that one? This one does not. Uh, wait, yes it does. Sorry, I, I got confused. I was thinking Explore. Yes, it does play Exploration. That is a one drop green enchantment. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. That's probably... You know what? That's I think that's maybe an age-old ramp argument. Is what do you do, burgeoning or exploration? Exploration looks to go internal and say, what do I play? What do I? What can I play to increase my land count or the lands in my hand to always have two land drops? Versus burgeoning, saying I'm going to get more, but I'm going to play that risk. I'm going to gamble on getting more land drops based on what my opponents are doing. I think that uh, late game there might be a bit of a debate. Turn four, five. I think turn one, based on the number of land in the deck, burgeoning is always better because you play, you go land, explore, land. Next turn you're at two land. You go land, burgeoning. Let's say you're in a five-player game like we typically are. Yeah. Unless everybody kept a really shitty hand, you're gonna go land, 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 land. Now you're at five land. Your turn you're at six land already. On turn three. Yeah. You go Sol Ring, Omnath. Turn two. Oh, yeah, sorry, turn two, not turn three. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably pretty good. And that's, I mean, yeah, that's a nut draw hand, but Re- well, it's, not it's, out of the realm of possibility. It's not really, because all it all it requires is that you, okay, having a soul ring in your hand makes it a nut draw cart or hand, but all of it, all of the, the uh, example required prior to that was having burgeoning in your hand. Yep. Realistically, if you're playing soul ring and mana crypt and mana vault, ah. Yeah, it's... Or burgeoning wh- enables turn to Omnath, and that's why it's better than explore- exploration. What's the other card I'm thinking of, though? Don't know. Uh, Grim Monolith. Yes. Wait. It doesn't come out on turn one or two. It's it's a two drop, but it gives you three. Nah, so yes. really, you're going to net off of that just like you are off of Crypt, Vault, and Soul Ring. Touche. As long as you have the two mana up front to spend on it. Yes. Yeah. 
So we like all of those cards. Okay, so after you do all of what we just said with your with your ramp and getting your Omnath, couple different um, directions that you can go, I think. Yes. Right? So I've got tokens, damage, or going wide, which is really just tokens again, but maybe you're using them to attack instead of using them to defend and fling and, and bolt people, right? So parallel lives, doubling season. Double the number of tokens you're producing. That's it. Damage. So we've got Where Ancients Tread, War Storm Surge. You covered both of those in the enchantment section, but yep. we also have Perforos, God of the Forge. Yes, we do. And you read Perilous Fourier. What did you What did you call it though? Perilous Foyers. Foyer. Yeah, that's like the the part of a house. I just like to say it that way. It's Perilous Foray. Foray into the wild. A it's like a journey. is the entrance of a house with a French accent on it. In the yes. in the land of the free, they call it the foyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up. I knew you already read that card. <laughs> and then if, if you want to do the go wide strategy, you've got Eldrazi Monument. We covered all these already. Eldrazi Monument, Chroma's Memorial, Avenger of Zendikar, Boundless Realms, because Boundless Realms is going to get you like 7,000 landfall triggers. Yes, it is. Boundless Realms is a sorcery for green six. Search your library for up to X basic land cards where X is the number of lands you control. Put them into the battlefield tapped. Shuffle your library. Also, Transverse, Transverse the Outlands. Transverse the Outlands is a sorcery for green four. Search your library for up to X basic land cards where X is the greatest number among the greatest power. Among creatures you control, put those land cards onto the battlefield tapped. So, five. And and one more, one more, one more. Tempt with Discovery. Tempt with Discovery is green three. Search your library for a basic land card and put it onto, or for a land card, put it onto the battlefield. Each opponent may also do that. For every opponent that does that, you do it again. That's called Tempting Offer. I would implore you to not be tempted because the person casting Tempt with Discovery is going to get everything they want and kill you. Yes. In my list, I play Tempt with Vengeance, which is the same thing where you get X, 1, 1 red elementals, and so do you, and you, and you, but then I get it for every other person that did that. And so they're I'll... all elementals. So that's, that's 10 bolts. What if you sacrifice them to Goblin Bombardment? To four of them out of the game? <laughs> they get, you get to four of them out of the game. It's like, oh, I like that you have 10 one ones, sir. I have a Goblin Bombardment. Die. You're going to take 40 right now. After you already took 20 from Perforos, because that's in the go-wide strategy as well. Strengths and weaknesses? Strengths and weaknesses. Okay. Strengths. I want to point out, I'm lisping today. I bit my tongue a couple days ago, <laughs> and it's swollen a little bit. So I just... I'm not doing that on purpose. That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Strengths. Packs a far more considerable punch when compared to tier 4 and 5 lists. Yes, it does. Yes, and feels a lot more tuned. And the tuning doesn't take a lot. No. It doesn't take much to tune an Omnath list, which is a strength that we'll get into. Goes back to my comment earlier in the show is we looked at three different lists that weren't Cooperated at all with three different budgets. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a second, believe me. Um, <laughs> they all kind of have the same proportions of green to red, the same lands. They're playing the same number of lands. Yep. I play a few more in mine. There's 42 in this one and another one we're going to get into. There's 47 in mine, but I explained Ooh. why there's 47 in mine already. Yeah. Focused strategy. 
So when we talked about the tier five missed form Ultimus list, it was kind of all over the place. It was trying to do three th three different things. And while we did say that this deck could do three different things, it's doing those three things with a lot more horsepower or it's just better at doing any one of them. It does all three of them by focusing on a... A, th a backbone strategy, it, ramp. Exactly. It's doing all of those things by ramping, and it ramps very well. It ramps very well, and if you ever needed, you could tune in card draw because green is actually very good at that, and yeah. red has a bunch of wheel effects. Like, if you throw down all the lands on your hand, we didn't mention it, but it's got Wheel of Fortune in here. Yeah, that's uh, sorcery, two and a red. Each player discards their hand to draw seven. And if you can't afford a $90 Wheel of Fortune, there's umpteen other wheel effects in red. Yeah, there's a Magus of the Wheel. There's a Delay Trigger Wheel. And there's also um, the one, the Miracle one. Yeah, uh, Reforge the Soul, I believe yeah. it's called. So there's all kinds. You want wheel effects? Just look up Nekizar lists. <laughs> You'll yeah. find them all there. Yeah, there they are, yep. <laughs> yeah, I guess straight to the point with the strengths. If we move over to the weaknesses, I touched on it earlier. Omnath costs seven. And... Doesn't matter how much ramp and how much lands you play, he costs seven, right? It's 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 like uh, it's like playing one of the Eldrazi Titans for your commander. You got to be a little bit careful or strategic in building and playing because that's just lots of mana. That's a ton of mana, and he's gonna die lots. And the deck is super focused on him. Without him or Titania in play, and Titania even needs a couple other cards for her to be good, i.e., Crucible of World, Runamap Excavator. Um, and or, or she doesn't really do anything. That's that's a perfect point when you compare Omnath to, or, or when you say Omnath has got this bad reputation or able to beat ass in tier two games. The deck is focused on him, and it takes a lot of cards to do what he wants to do. And if you lose him or you can't play the cards that you want to play, while that does sound like oh you just stop them from playing cards, they're not going to win. It's especially true when your deck relies on your commander very heavily and it's not a combo oriented deck. Correct. So that's one of the weaknesses. I think that's the driving factor that keeps Omnath out of the tier two category. Omnath would be I would say tier one point five if he was one of those jerk bag generals that did what he does from the command zone. Yeah. If he well, said that's if true he said, with lots of commanders. If you got a three three elemental instead of a five five anytime he played a land, whether Omnath was in play or not he would be 1.5 for sure. Okay, well, let's let's compare him to... Um, I think. Edgar Markov. Because Edgar Markov says whenever you cast a vampire, you get a 1-1 vampire. Okay. I don't think that's as good. Well, it, it's a 1-1, and he does it from the command zone. That's true, but a 3-3 right? three, three is better, and a 5-5 five, five is also better. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think, though, um, when you remove it from the battlefield so you don't have to do anything to get this effect... Right. A 3-3 three, three or a 5-5 five, five is probably too good, and then they ramp that down to a 1-1. One, one, yeah. Right? No, you're right. Maybe but... maybe that's how they balance it, because they're also giving you an additional color in Edgar Edgar Markov as well. Yes. So, I don't know. We're not a game design podcast, but that th maybe there's a, a comparison that could be made there. Maybe that's somebody yeah. can write an article on edhrec.com <laughs> that you can read. Omnath is an exceptionally powerful card, but he is... I think he's totally fair, just yeah, because he costs so much. because you're paying for it, right? He is hard... He is a premium card, yeah, and he is hard to play. Yeah, and when you compare that to some of the, uh, I guess, the Tier 1 and 2 commanders that have such a huge top, like even compare him to Animar. Animar is theoretically 
harder to cast because he costs three different colors, but he's got just as high, if not higher, top end, and he combos. Yeah. Right? So there, there's maybe a, a difference where the Omnath deck is solely based around Omnath like the Animar deck is, but Animar is so much quicker with that huge top end. And Animar has blue to protect him. And he's got blue, yep. which is not... That's not negligible. It's not negligible, but it's also not exclusive to the tier 1 and 1.5 and 2 lists. There is some. There is a whole ton of non-blue lists. Yes. But not negligible either, like you say. Yes. The other thing, or a couple other things I wanted to touch on, he, he does pack a punch, like we said, but sometimes you, you do need the nut draw to take the whole table because this is the kind of deck that... Once you pull out ahead, you're going to start getting stomped. If you're first, you're last. That's one of our models around our game table, right? If you yes. pull out too hard, too fast, everybody's going to perceive you as the threat, and then everybody's going to gangbang you. And I think when we're looking at Tier 3 commanders, maybe they don't have quite enough sustainable firepower or uh, synergies or whatever you want to say to to keep them ahead. Yeah, and Omnath can protect, can protect himself. Like I've definitely been in games where... But you're really crunching numbers way more than you think you are in <laughs> yeah. those situations. And there have been so many games where I've just punted them because of a miss trigger or a miss cue. Because every land drop gives you so much stuff and all of these things are really going oh, on okay. all the time. Here, you really here, have to pay attention. Here's one. And some people like it, but maybe it's a weakness for some um, newer be or beginner players the difficulty of playing the deck could be a weakness. It is. Some people think it's a strength because they like the the very nuanced and, and challenging decks. But it, it's deceptively simple because you think, oh, big dude, play land, get fatty, swing with fatty, or sack fatty to do that. And that's the truth at the end of the day. But you got to go way deeper if you want to play this deck well. I guess, you know what, it goes back to episode 11 when we talk about the nuances of aggro. Everybody says it's so easy to play, but sometimes... No you have to next level the control player sitting at the table because you want them to think that you're overextending or think that you're tapping out or doing something for them to counter. Correct. Right? Sometimes you got to play that seven mana Genesis wave into a counterspell, and I've done that. Yep. So you can still have your five mana left over after that because you're a ramp deck to play the five mana spell that you wanted to play. Exactly, to get your uh, where the Ancients Tread yeah. into play because that's what you need. Genesis wave, you get anything. Yeah. You got your, but you're not going to get that worthy ancient shred because it's in your hand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, excellent. and that's the one you want. Yeah, budget section. Budget section. Now this is tricky. We're going to actually introduce a new deck at this point in the show. Yep. This deck is by listener on uh, from Twitter, Tony underscore on underscore tilt. Tony oh, on tilt. Tony on tilt. Yeah, sent me this list on Twitter. Said he was really pumped to hear this, and it was just happenstance that we were actually planning to do this episode. And his list is. Again, since we're talking about it in the budget section, significantly more budget friendly. Yes. The first list we talked about by Venix 10 was like... Like $1,000. Would it be $1,000? His list is 1000 because there's tons of foil stuff and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it's at least 1000 bucks, and that's without all of the bad stuff that you see on uh and uh tony on tilts list 575 still lots it's still running fetch lands it's still running things like perforos and blah 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 and yeah here we, here we go i actually got it up here so venix the number one on that list on whatever number three overall edh list on tapped out very popular list three thousand bucks 
Ooh, that's lots. And that goes back to foils and altars that he's all got pimped out in there. It looks good, right? It's part of the primer. It's it's part of the allure of the deck, if you will. Correct. And then our boy Tony, his list is about 500 bucks. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of really cool includes in there in a little, little bit. A little bit of the high end. When we talk about budget, we, when we, we, we talk about cuts and stuff to say, oh, yeah, you could build this for about 250 bucks, right? Once we do some of our swap outs and cuts and stuff. But uh, this one right now... Tony's is about five seventy five, and, and I Brando's think it's, is about five twenty five. If you want to throw mine in there, yeah, as I, well, I think that's okay. I think that um, Brando's and Tony's are good representations of what the deck is doing or trying to do. So we look at, um, you know, forty two lands. There's seven fetches. What if they were the seven fetches? Two hundred and fourteen bucks. That's lots. That's not negligible as you... Correct. That's half right? your budget right yeah, there. So Evolving Wild, Terramorphic Expanse, Jund and Naya Panoramas, and Gruel Turf, the um, the Karoo land from original Ravnica. Yes, the, the bounce land. Yeah, those are all pennies. Yeah, they cost nothing. Yeah. So while they are a turn slower because they come into play tapped... Yep, not as good, but... They, um, they still are either going to give you double landfall triggers or... Uh, let you play lands from your graveyard. They're, so, e- they're easier on your wallet, and they have basically the same effect with Omnath in play. Yeah, they're just if you want to cat or play Terramorphic Expanse into another card, well, you're gonna have to wait a turn. Yes, and maybe that's something when you talk about when we talk about the tier one lists, waiting a turn means you lose. Correct. We so, we played a big. You were there for that, hey? When we all played our kind of turn one. Not yeah, sure one, we, played, tier one we, list. we played real decks. And they were, I won, and then Ben stopped me from winning because he had a, what was it, a Fauna Shaman? Something that stopped your Hermit Druid. Yeah, and then, did he win or did you win? I tried to win, but um, on my Limb Duels Vault. You whiffed. I whiffed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah, we played. So Ben, I, ben, ben ended up winning yeah. with a Thrasios and Timna partners deck. Yeah, the uh, but the turn base the that last round basically went you win ah fuck, I won ah, ah shit. shit, Ben wins. Ben actually won. Yeah, yeah. You were playing Sidisi Hermit Druid. I was playing Aloro, uh, Ad Nauseum Tendrils Lab Maniac. Ben was playing Combo Thrasios and Timna. Smitty was playing uh, Rafiki of the Lots. And I think that was it. Was I there? Think it was, I think it was just four of us. I think there was just four. Yeah, yeah it was a good game. It was a good game. Very good. It was like five turns. Yeah. Back to the budget. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Back to these budget things. Okay. Gaia's Cradle. Jesus. So many monies. Everybody wants to play that in every green deck. Yeah. Let's just talk about a couple things, though. Gaia's Cradle. $285 for one card. So much. That's so much. If you got one for 24 bucks, good on you. Me. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> if you paid 24 bucks for your gold-bordered one, F you, Evan. <laughs> no. That is an option. Talk it, talk about it with your play group. If they allow you to play gold-bordered cards, have at her. Yep, just go ahead and do it. Or the other option. Now, this is a sweet option. I like this card, and thank you, Tony on Tilt, for this one. Growing Rights of Itlamok. Is that what that's called? Yes. Of Itlamok. Now, there's lots of really small printing, so bear with me. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on your bottom on the bottom of your library in any order. At the beginning of your end step, if you control four or more creatures, transform growing rights of Itlamok. And it flips over into Itlamok Cradle of the Sun. And that's just a fancy way of saying Gaia's Cradle. 
Boom! So, Gaius Cradle and Itlamok Cradle of the Sun are a land yep. that taps for green for each creature you control. And technically, Itlamok's a little better because it taps for green on its own as well. If you control no creatures, that's right. So that's the little benefit it gives you for having to work you have to do on some the work. front half. Now, of course, we're not actually working real hard in this particular deck because you're going to have no, dudes uh, every time and, you play the land. And that's why it's good. That's why it's amazing. But being good also doesn't cost $285. It costs six. It costs six bucks or 14 Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, we got to stick I'm to still our... okay with that. Yeah, I'm still okay. <laughs> it's still less than the 4,000 Canadian that it costs to get a yeah, gas cradle. for sure, for sure. So, hey, this is actually the first list that uses this card. Yeah, it is. That we've talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are probably going to be seeing a lot more of it. It's, it's kind of it's kind of like, hey, get your growing right to Itlamox. It's probably not going to be reprinted again, and it's probably going to go up in value over time. Get your foils. Kind of like Panharmonicon. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So get those for sure. Okay. Crater Hoof. He is a $12.50 card, so like 85 Canadian. And yeah. he is an automatic game winner. He's green, green, green five for a five, five haste. When he enters a battlefield, all creatures you control get plus X plus X and trample till end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. So you got 10 one ones, and then you play Crater Hoof. Everybody's getting plus 11, plus 11. Dang. Yeah. So your Tempt with Vengeance turns into a win condition if you have a Crater Hoof. Now, he's 12 bucks. What about something like Rampaging Bayloth? 50 cents. That's what I play in mine, and I believe uh, our boy Tony also plays Rampaging Bayloth. Very much so. That's why I mentioned it. 6-6 yep. six, six Beast for Green Green 4, Trample, Landfall. There's a keyword. Good one. Whenever a land enters a battlefield under your control, put a 4-4 four, four Beast into play. That's not bad. You're so still going to get lots of beasts. You got him and Omnath. You're getting nine power of dudes for playing a land. Very excellent. Yes. Okay, we like that one. What about any other overrun type effects along with that? I'm thinking of OG overrun. I'm thinking of um, what's the one that gives plus X plus X equal to the biggest? Overwhelming Stampede. Yep. And I'm thinking of or, uh, Triumph of the Hordes. Plus Is, one plus one, an infect. Yeah, to all your dudes. Very and Trample. Good. Yeah, that's super good. It's four bucks. Still, yes. st even if you don't include, if you only got one spot and you can't afford a Crater Hoof and you just want to say, okay, F Raging or uh, Rampaging Bayloth, just pick up a Triumph of the Hordes, four bucks. You can pick up four of them for the cost of a Crater Hoof. Of a Crater Hoof, yeah. Yeah, jam them in all your green decks. Couple more. Well, well, plenty more, actually. Wheel of Fortune, 75 bucks. We talked about this already. Greater yes. Good, 15 bucks. What you about- You can't really get rid of Greater Good. Greater Good is oh, an yeah. Omnath backbone card because it's your card draw engine and it's a sack engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I what was, do we have to replace that? I with? was going to say Sears Sundial and Horn of Greed. They have to do with playing lands and drawing cards. Both are good, yeah. not as good. What about Rishkar's Expertise and Harmonize and um, Shamanic Revelation? Those all draw you cards for... Four or five mana. We've talked about those before. Yep. yep. Rishkar's expertise. I was actually trying to find room for in mine. Yes, it uh, is draw cards equal to the greatest power among creatures you control for five mana, yep. and then you can play a. Oh no, for six mana. For six, and then you can play something that costs five or less from your hand for free. Yeah. So it's both card draw and maybe ramp, maybe a creature, maybe something. It could right? be anything else. Yeah. So we like all those. Now the other thing, Eternal Witness, seven dollars. Azusa, Lost But Seeking, 55. We're going up. Just wait, there's more. Yeah. Crucible of Worlds, $70. What? What about a little ditty called 
creeping renaissance to go alongside splendid reclamation. So let's give splendid reclamation a read first. Splendid reclamation. Green three. Return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped for 84 cents. And now creeping renaissance. Creeping Renaissance, three, green, green. Choose a permanent type, return all cards of the chosen type from your graveyard to your hand. And flashback for five, green, green. So it puts them into your hand and costs more, but you are getting flashback out of it. So if it ends up in your graveyard somehow, it's 49 cents. Maybe it provides some strategic advantage to the deck if it wants to get its land back from its graveyard and isn't $55. Yes. So, or, or 70 like Crucible, right? Yes. So, and if we're looking at Azusa, you mentioned Azusa, she's unreal expensive. That's why I don't play her in my deck. Um, both of our other lists are playing her. Yeah, I, I don't have one, so I'm not playing her. You can replace her with a combination of Oracle of Moldi, lets you play one additional land, and you can play land from the top of your library. Yep, and Mina and Den Wildborn, who also lets you play an additional land on your turn for a and she's got a 4-4 four, four body for 2 red-green. She also has red-green, return a land you control to its owner's hand, target creature gains trample until end of Ooh, turn. So you're going to get potentially multi-land triggers per turn and give something trample. If you have her, you could technically bounce a bounce land, play the bounce land, play the bounced land. <laughs> play the bounced land back. Right? Yeah, so yeah. like even if you have no land in your hand, she puts them back there, and you can get lands that get you more lands to to play yeah so she's and she's 41 cents yeah oracle of moldia 21 azusa and crucible 55 and 70 yeah so definitely good uh good includes there's lots of cool budget options i like those now going away from budget how about we do card of the week brandon trumped me on this who's it I found a super cool card. It's from Conspiracy. It's called Subterranean Tremors. And thank you, Tony on Tilt, for this card, because I did not know it existed. Excellent. If you did, props to you. If not, check this out. Red X Sorcery. Subterranean Tremors deals X damage to each creature without flying. So crappy earthquake. If X is four or more, destroy all artifacts. Holy shit. If X is eight or more, put an 8-8 eight, eight red lizard creature token onto the battlefield. Mucho. So Excellent. good. That is so cool. I love cards with modes. I love cards that kill creatures. I love cards that killed creatures and blow up all the artifacts too. For the record, I knew that card existed. Why didn't you tell me? Uh, I didn't think you'd like it. <laughs> what the hell's the matter with you? What the hell? God okay. damn it. We like that. Brando's going to go and pick up some foil ones of those today. And they're two bucks. Yeah. Two bucks. Oh, yeah, we always say card of the week. Yeah, X two amount are, of monies. Yes. So, I mean, it's a conspiracy card, so it might be a little bit trickier to find. Yeah, Pick and after up. Canadian con- conversion, it might be $98, but... Yeah, but hey, worth it. Okay, so I got a couple other suggestions, and this goes back to leaning on you because you've got this deck. So, Me. do these cards go in this deck? Bane of Progress. No. No? No. So I, I played with Bane of Progress for a while. He's an elemental for what? Green, green, green... Green, green, two. Green, green, two, wipes out all artifacts and enchantments. And then he gets plus one, plus one for each thing he killed. For each thing that he killed. Now, I'm just thinking about the mass removal section again. Remember we talked about that. Yeah, he's excellent in that capacity, but again, going back to kind of the fragility, if you don't have Omnath, what you do have is a great 
enchantment suite in this deck that Ooh. still gives you benefits from playing land. You've got doubling season. There's enchantments that every time a land comes into play, you get a 2 2 yep. elemental. If you're playing uh, Growing Rights at Lamoc and it's not flipped yet, for example. Yep, there's lots yep. of really great okay. enchantments and a few artifacts that you really want to hang on to and to play it. I mean, sometimes you just got to hose your opponent. Sometimes you got to do that, but there's better ways of doing it. Okay, what about is, it, is this one of the ways? Tornado Elemental. Tornado Elemental, 6-6 six, six for 5 green-green. When Tornado Elemental enters the battlefield, it deals 6 damage to each creature with flying. And you may have it deal its damage as though it was not blocked. Not too bad. It's also an Elemental. Um, So is um, Bane of Progress. Yep. That's that's why I thought maybe, hey, maybe these are maybe there's something. Um, Tornado Elemental might be able to go in. I think that you, just with the land that you're playing and the purpose that you are probably playing him for, a Hurricane or a Squall Line, would probably be better served. Because then you're going to be getting damage in at yes, the opponents as well. Yes, Squall Line is um, instant speed, right? Yeah, instant speed costs one additional green. Hurricane is green X, deals damage to all flying creatures in each player. Yeah, and the key there is flying creatures, because as a green-red deck, you can't really deal with those short of running dedicated removal for them. Correct. Because your creatures don't fly. Or Tornado no. Elemental doesn't even fly. <laughs> yeah, stupid. But he's going to kill mostly all of the flying things. Correct. So, okay, that's the thing. They're both elementals. Play him, don't play him. Does Tony on tilt play it? Does not. Does not. He maybe knows something that I don't. Okay, how about the aforementioned Decimate? Uh, Des maybe. Guess, who's, guess whose list Decimate's in? Uh, Tony on tilt. <laughs> it's Brando's list. Yeah, Brando oh, oh, plays yeah. Decimate. I was looking at the wrong screen. Decimate's so good. Yeah. I definitely play it. I highly recommend that you play it. Decimate, okay. Wave of Vitriol. Destroys all non-basics, and then each player who had a non-basic searches for a basic, puts it into play, and it costs green, green, five. And you knew that off the top of your head because, again, in my list, Wave of Vitriol is played. I think it does have a great benefit here because it hoses a lot of your five-color land bases. Our deck from next week Ooh. would eat a whole pile of shit to a card like Wave of Vitriol, and you get damaged by it as well, but you're going to benefit from it probably more than anybody else. Because you're going to get landfall triggers, and you're going to get lands going to your graveyard, which is probably important in some way, shape, or form. And it's the only time you can play a mass land destruction card where people don't just immediately hate you. Yeah, that's You know what true. I mean? It's it's. People are okay with that. Plus, it costs seven, yeah, so... It's politically correct, so to speak. And yeah. I don't like saying that, but it is. It's a, it's a <laughs> political card, and it does its job. Okay, Hull Breach and Heaven to Earth. Those are the last two. Heaven to Earth is good. That's a, It's a hurricane, then it's an earthquake, but neither side of that card hits players. That's why you could play something else. You play our card of the week this week, it's got better modes, or you play Earthquake and Hurricane. Just proper. Because they get your strategy out better. It allows you to apply damage to everybody. Yeah, now Hull Breach is originally from... Uh, plane shift? Anyways, I it's a sorcery right. for red, green, and it's destroy art target artifact, destroy target enchantment, or destroy target artifact and enchantment. I'm not sure why I don't play that. I, like I think it has a place in here. I think it's got a place in many, many, many Gruel decks. If you go into edhrec.com, you'd probably find it. Maybe it's on the milk list. Ooh, good segue! Ooh. Okay, milk list. The most common cards in each converted mana cost at the color pairing that we're talking about today. I'm, I'm gonna throw Ooh. some. I'm gonna throw some work onto Ryan ahead of time before uh -oh. we get into the spice calculator slash milk list. In the show notes for this show, 
we'll have the results of Milk List and Spice Calculator for all three of the lists that we're doing today. Oh, my God. I know. I know. I'm a pain in the ass. I we're hate doing it. everything. But we're doing it. Okay. On to the Milk List. On to the Milk List. And this is the uh, Vixen X. Venenex. Venenex. Vexenex. That's his list. The good one. The popular one. Okay. At the zero drop slot in green-red, most popular card, Mana Crypt. Yep. One drop slot, Soul Ring. Yep. Two drop, Secure Tribe Elder. Yep. Three drop, Cultivate. Yep. Four drop, Explosive Vegetation. Yep. Five drop, Acidic Slime. No. Warstorm Surge at six. It's the only six drop in the whole deck. <laughs> Avenger of Zendikar. Yep. Big Daddy Butt Sex, Terastodon at 8. No. Kozilek, Butcher of Truth at 10. You missed 9. I missed Blasphemous Act at 9. Because we're playing it. Yes. No Kozilek, though. World Spine Worm at nope. 11. Nope. Blightsteel at 12. Nope. Embercool Promised End at 13. Nope. Nine Milk List matches. Nine Milk List matches. So that's uh, pretty lots. Yeah. <laughs> you can... that. This is why the Milk List is the Milk List. It's playing a bunch of great cards, standard, really good cards. It's I suppose, yeah, if you if you want a good deck, you're going to have to play good cards. Yes, and this deck isn't going to be spicy or creative. It's going to be the best Omnath deck that it could possibly be. Yes. And I think that it hit all of the, all of the bases it's got to hit to achieve that. It's just, I don't know, I don't like it as much. I don't think I'd like playing this deck as much as I would like playing Tony's or mine. Spice Calculator? Spice calculator. Spicy. Okay, Omnath, Locus of Rage, number one gruel commander on EDHREC.com. Yes, sir. So he's number one. At the time of the list, 1,869 Omnath lists. He's in the top ten, isn't he? Yeah, he's in the, he's number eight on the top Our very first top ten EDH Ooh, general ever. cracked it. Yeah, FU attracts it. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Okay, count. so average converted mana cost of the deck, 3.57. Pretty good. Oh, for the record, we are using the 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 gizzigizzigizzigizz list. Yes. Uh, so my list and Tony on tapped. We'll have a result for them uh, in the show notes if you want to check those out. Yes. Which you do because ours are a little bit spicier, and we're going to get into that in just a second. Yeah, just uh, in a quick pinch. Okay, so three point five seven. That's right on point. And I think when you play this deck, it both feels like you are lower than that and higher than that. Yes. Because you're playing lots of ramp spells that are quick, and then you're Ramping into lots of big things that are expensive. Yeah, basically everything in the deck that isn't a ramp spell costs five or more. Yeah, nothing actually costs three mana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so critical turn, we said four, because that's the turn that theoretically you should get Omnath. If he's unmolested, you're going to do really good in that game, right? Yes, and any one of the three lists can do that. <clears throat> Very good. Optimal game size, four. Why four? Well, and this is a true story, I have been playing games with five and six people where the finite resources of the deck, and they are finite, The land. Out. I have played all 47 land in my deck, either in play or in the graveyard. That is a true story, and that's happened more than once, and those games are miserable. And then you're stuck ghost-towning once a turn. Yep, and getting a 5-5 five, five every turn ain't going to get you there. No, nothing to scoff at, but on turn 24... <laughs> it's not getting you there yeah. in those long games. Yep. Now, uniqueness rating, we used this deck to just demonstrate that we are going into the land of less spicy, the higher tiered we get in the Arc of Escalation. So this list, 
to our quick count because I didn't have it before the show. <laughs> um, three different cards in the list that we're looking at compared to EDHREC.com. What three were they? Let's let's because we, we can say it. Akroma's Memorial, the Shaman of the Forgotten Ways. And yep. Steely Resolve is another one. We just noticed there is actually a fourth one, but we can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it's also there. So when you add up all those numbers, including the very small uniqueness rating or the very small difference from the stock list on edhrec.com, remember that's like 155 cards long. So of course there's going to be redundancies there, right? Like yep. there's... 58 cards in the list that we're looking at if you exclude the lands and there is 155 cards to potentially match that's why this match is so low so spiciness of 17 17 that's that, pretty low not the lowest ever not the lowest ever but that is ketchup with black pepper on it yeah if you were to acclimate it to a sauce yeah i don't know yeah. if that would be a very good sauce i expect that uh tony on tilt and brando's lists will be Marginally higher if I use all of the same stats except for a different uniqueness rating and a different number of tutors. Yes. That's another thing that hurt the list that we're looking at is if he had one tutor, um, you'd probably see a 20 or a 21 spicy instead of a 17. Yeah, 17 is pretty low. 20, 21 is pretty low too. But again, there's the effect with Omnath, like we talked about, you got to play Goblin Bombardment. You got to play Greater Good. You got to play, what is it, Elemental Bond. You got to play Perilous Foyers. Yeah. There's so many cards that just, if you're not playing them. If you want a tuned list, you got to play the card. It's not Zata effect where there is only a few cards that do what you want. There's plenty of cards that do what Omnath wants, but if you want to have a tuned tier three deck that's going to compete with the tier ones and twos, you got to play these cards because they're the best ones. Exactly. There is one other thing before we go, and this is a little bit of a longer episode. We're doing three lists, and it's a great episode, so thanks for sticking with us. And here's why I was immediately attracted to Omnath when he first came out. Ooh, personal intrigue. Yeah, this is neat. Omnath plays a really cool strategy that I like, which is bolt everything and beat your face in, and he does it by doing something that you're going to do anyway, which is play land. All you Inc do incidental value, we call that. Yep. You're ramping, you're playing land, you're doing that anyway. Omnath just turns that into your strategy, so your strategy starts a level lower than everybody else. Like when we talk about lines of play, it's play a dork, play a couple ramp spells, then you start playing your stuff. Omnath is play a dork, play a couple of ramp spells, keep playing ramp spells, and you're just going to do all your stuff. And what comes along with that, because ramp is a very basic backbone magic strategy thing, every set that ever comes out forever and has ever come out in the history of magic is going to have cards that could possibly go in this deck. Yeah. So this isn't like a vampire tribal deck or a sliver tribal deck where you got to wait for them to reprint more vampires or slivers because there's always going to be ramp spells. Every set has one. Every set has more than one. Yeah, like every spell, every every uh, every set has this is the ramp spell for this is the most suitable analog for shock. This is the most this is your one one for one in exactly. draft, right? And how cool is that? Like every set that comes out, you can always crack open your Omnath list. Crack open the spoiler for the newest set. Oh, look at these. All of these could hypothetically go into Omnath. Is yeah. this better than Sky Shroud Claim? Is it better than Cultivate? Is it as good as Cultivate? Is it better than Explore? Is it better than Exploration? You can always 
look at new cards and there's always the possibility that a new sweet spicy include will come into your deck on the cheap i love on the cheap yeah that's great and i'm usually the one that says f the budget yeah and here's the time where you can pay a t- like you can pay 25 cents and get a really great card in a really competitive deck because yeah. omnath is no slouch when you sit down he's not bad yeah. tier one and tier two are only tier one and tier two when they're primed to the nuts Otherwise, they're just tier three. And Omnath is at the top of tier three in a lot of cases, if you know what you're doing. Yeah, like last week, uh, Caravek's list was at the upper end of tier four. I think Omnath is probably at the upper end of tier three. CCO Nation, what do you think about who else is at the upper end of tier three? (coughs) Crank them up, boss. I think so. I think that um, the upper end of tier three is where most people like to play. I do too. Uh, Tier three is the most i think the most fun and the most diverse you're going to get the most different kinds of decks that are still fun to play because they're doing powerful things but they're still interesting enough diverse enough spicy enough you can play your weird combo deck that you know does blah whatever or you can play the aggro deck or you can play the control deck because there's there's something for everybody in this tier yeah and that's that's important before the final thoughts of the day you guys thought that his last thing was the final thoughts. But before the final <laughs> thoughts of the day, and speaking of something for everybody, next week we're moving into Tier 2 in Arc of Escalation, and we are doing a little bit of a Christmas giveaway combined with our monthly Patreon giveaway. It's our first patron giveaway. It happened to coincide on Christmas. We didn't plan that. So we are going to have a few packages put together, you know, little things, of course, likes shares subscribes whatever it is that you do to to help the show if it's not actually contributing to patreon because you doesn't, don't, doesn't you don't have to money yeah as long as you don't have to as long as we got your ear holes that's all we care about of course you're going to get uh an entry patrons of course are 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 given the benefit of the doubt and get an additional entry for whatever tier they are so that's great for them we did a shout out for them if you want to be part of the christmas giveaway of course do all of those things now Brando's final thoughts of the day. I actually did already give my final thoughts of the day. Uh, This deck actually is a lot of fun, and I highly recommend you check out all three of these lists because we've never actually looked at one that's been tuned over so much time before as we did with Vizigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazigazig